0: Hey, welcome to the Equifax Credit Talks podcast. My name's Elise Glink and I'm a best-selling author, financial expert, and CEO of Best Money Moves, a financial wellness technology company. Well, it's the beginning of June and what we know about the economic fallout is it's still pretty bad. The coronavirus continues to take a tremendous toll on the economy of the United States and globally as well. And It's concerning to everybody that another 2 million people here and 2 million people there, week by week, are losing their jobs. There are now more than 40-plus million Americans who have lost their jobs. And that doesn't begin to include the other people who have, for some reason, not been counted. People who have been forced into furloughs, people who have had pay cuts. There's a whole lot of pain and misery everywhere along this path. Equifax is a leading credit reporting agency, and last month the company launched an extensive COVID and credit financial resource center. You can find it at Equifax.com. This podcast is part of the effort to help expand your access to some of the leading financial experts in this country, as well as some of Equifax's own subject matter experts. We're gonna discuss real-world financial solutions and share resources for people like you who wanna protect your credit and manage your finances during this COVID-19 pandemic. What we're going through right now can seem overwhelming, but we'll figure it out together. In this episode, we're gonna talk with my good friend, Farnoosh Cherabi about what to do when money runs short, Farnoosh is the host of the very successful So Money podcast, and she's a columnist for Oprah Winfrey's O Magazine and a best-selling book author. But first, let's turn to Beverly Anderson, president of the Equifax Global Consumer Solutions Division, about going back to work and for some ideas about how to stay in good standing with your creditor or lender in these uncertain times. Hey, Beverly, welcome back to the Credit Talks podcast. Hi, Elise. Thanks. Nice to be here. So we're now a little more than two months into the pandemic, and states are opening up as of June 1st. I think every
1: state will be somewhat open. There's definitely a range of openings. Some states are fully open. I'm in Georgia, and it's certainly one of those. And some are partially open, like New York and Illinois. Yeah, and I'm in Illinois, and of course, we're not so open, but we're getting
0: there slowly and surely. (laughs) Um, Are you seeing companies bring their employees back to the office down
1: in Georgia and elsewhere where you know people? Well, certainly Equifax is starting to uh, slowly bring people back into the office in a phased approach. It feels like corporations are being very careful and cautious when it comes to bringing their employees back to the office. Operations Inc., which is one of the largest human resources consulting firms in the nation, recently conducted an independent survey, which found that two-thirds of employers plan to reopen their offices before July 1st provided that they are allowed to do so. Now, I found that interesting. I thought that number was much higher. Mm -hmm. However, the polling results for more than 425 businesses across the country show that employers are facing so many obstacles tied to reopening, bringing their employees back, and keeping everyone safe.
0: Well, everybody's worried about going out. I know my own employees are worried about it, and they're worried about getting on public transportation to come back. And we're going to talk about that on a webinar that we have coming up about some of those obstacles. But I think about businesses like restaurants, right? I see in the news that restaurants in Italy are starting to open cautiously. People are worried about it. And I got to tell you, I love to cook, but Boy, do I miss that whole ethos of restaurant experience.
1: Well, so do I, Elise. And one of the things I I teased about early on in this process was the first thing I would do when things started to open up again was go out to a restaurant. Now I'm rethinking that a little bit, but I am missing so many things, everything from going to a gym or just seeing my family. And typically in, in May, we usually gather together for a big reunion on Hilton Head Island And we're not doing that this year. Uh, So we've just been able to rely on Zoom and some telephone calls to stay up and, and reminisce about the fun we used to have. Hopefully everyone is enjoying or will enjoy their summer holiday season and remain safe and careful and continue to wash their hands. Oh gosh, I hope everybody keeps washing their hands too.
0: Um, Listen, I want to turn to a question that we had come in over, I think it was Facebook, about how to stay in good stead with your creditors and lenders during the pandemic. I mean, people are paying their bills late. We now have a whole lot of people who are not paying credit card bills. Four million Americans, over 8% of those with a mortgage who have opted for mortgage forbearance. Staying in good stead, I know, is important to people as they look to their credit scores and, and their credit reports. But how do you do that? when you're facing these
1: kinds of headwinds? It's such a great question, Elise. The best way to stay in good standing with your lenders and creditors is to continue to pay your bills on time and in full. Now, I know that that sounds so obvious, but it just may not be possible these days for people who have recently been laid off, who've been furloughed, or who may have a pay cut. So then the next best step is to reach out to your lender or creditor to explain your situation. Many lenders are offering repayment options to help borrowers weather COVID-19 at this time, such as payment holidays and delayed principal payments. While your specific options will vary depending upon your account type and your payment history, many lenders are willing to work out a repayment plan or deferred payments until you can get back on your feet. And if you've been a responsible borrower with a good long history of on-time payments, you may have an even better chance of negotiating an accommodation. Okay, that's interesting. So I could try to get a
0: deferred payment plan for my credit cards, for example. What else do you advise people to do to
1: manage through these tough times? Well, I know we've talked about this before, but it really is to adjust and manage your budget. If you're finding it hard to make ends meet, you've gotta take a hard look at what you're spending. Make a list of the bills that you need to pay every month and then add up everything else and prioritize those bills that are essential to your daily living, things like your mortgage and your rent, your utilities, your insurance, food, and of course, your cell phone plan. So that's a good idea. You want to pay
0: less for the services that you're already using. How would you do that? How would you think about it?
1: Well, one way to cut the costs is to reach out to your existing providers of your internet and cell phone and ask them for a lower monthly rate or reduce your package. They are motivated to keep you as a consumer, as a customer, and may offer you non-advertised deals to convince you to stay. You may also be able to get a discount on your insurance coverage, by combining policies under a single carrier. Now, I just got a note from my oldest credit card, the one I've had the very longest,
0: (laughs) that if I don't make a charge soon, they're gonna cancel my card. And by the way, I thought that was a real threat, so I went out and bought something last night with that credit card. Is that what you're
1: hearing? Oh my gosh, this is certainly something that credit card companies can do. And they are starting to cancel or reduce unused lines of credit. Uh, just like for home equity lines. So if you have a card account that you really value, then you'll want to go use it a bit so that you don't lose it. Yeah, that's a great point about home equity lines
0: of credit. And of course, I do want to remind everybody that if you're really struggling to find room in your budget and you have a loan backed by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Ginnie Mae, you should be able to get a forbearance and at least ease the cash crunch for six months to a year, depending on what you need. But, you know, private lenders are really tough to deal with right now, and they're not as forthcoming about securing loan modifications. So if you've got a mortgage backed by private investors, I'm hearing from people saying that the answer is no. Do you have any other
1: suggestions for people? Just this one. On Equifax.com, check out our Knowledge Center which includes links to 100 different lenders and creditors. You can go directly to their websites and see what kind of help they're offering for borrowers like you. And you know, we're putting up new information every single day in our COVID Plus Credit Financial Resource Center. Just go to Equifax.com and click on the banner near the top of the page. And while you're there, sign up for a My Equifax account so that you can get access to your free Equifax credit scores and credit report.
0: Great information, Bev. Thank you so much. Talk to you again soon. Thanks, Elise. Hang in there, everyone. We're going to get through this. I am so excited to have my good friend, Farnoosh Tarabi. She is the amazing host of So Money Podcast. Uh, you can go to somoneypodcast.com and listen to her. She is a longtime financial expert and a bestselling author. Farnoosh, I'm so excited to welcome you to the Credit Talks podcast.
2: Hi, Elise. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored.
0: I can't think of anybody better to help everybody navigate these waters of what to do when money starts to run short. Because as you know, out there, so many people are really struggling right now
2: so much. And in all ways, you know, there's not really one big problem. But I would say the underlining issue for many people we know is jobs, a lack of income or income scarcity, the, the fear even of losing their job. And so that's really at the heart of it, right? When you don't have income, it really, and even if you do have savings, it then it becomes a real question of how do I spend? How do I prioritize my spending? Should I take on more debt to be able to pay for my necessities. People are considering taking out 401k loans or personal loans, even credit cards. And the the real challenge is you're trying to make a lot of these decisions quickly because obviously nobody was expecting this, but when you don't have time to plan, you can feel like you're going to make a bad move. So what I'm hearing a lot of, from a lot of my listeners is insecurity, right, over all of their decisions. And think and a lot of that is just fueled by the fact that we have to make these real quick knee-jerk reaction decisions to what's happening to us, and we can feel like we're not in control. And then we don't want to make a mistake.
0: I think it's super interesting, the idea that people are feeling really insecure about their decisions. We know that they're reaching out. We know that there's a liquidity issue. Mm. Credit cards are cutting back on the amount of credit they're extending. HELOCs are getting canceled. We're seeing people, about a third of people have already withdrawn from their 401ks. What other things are you seeing people do in order to just pay the bills? Moving
2: in with family, cutting back on all of their expenses and just living bare bones, negotiating with their landlords, with their creditors. I I advocate for that. I think that's important to to do that. And maybe there's some relief that you can create some wiggle room for yourself over the next three or four months until you get back on your feet. But really, at least it's all of it. People are doing things that they never thought they would be doing. Uh, And even things like tapping their emergency account. There's this real fear that we have about... Actually <laughs> right. using the savings because again, you know, we, we want that number to at the minimum, like just maintain the balance, the level rather than go backwards. And so um even that, which is totally reasonable right now to do, people are really feeling like failures, as if they didn't plan for this, they didn't do their best. Like how, how does how anybody you,
0: plan, right? How no, do you plan you for plan something or, like this?
2: No, absolutely not. And the ripple effects of this, we've we've only begun to see travel. And hospitality and retail obviously took an immediate hit. But I think that come fall, we're going to see some other industries that were ancillary that were tangential to all of this that are we're going to have layoffs. And that's actually a silver lining. I say to people, if you've got the job right now, if income hasn't shifted, if you've been able to, fortunate to still have that consistent paycheck, I don't want you to plan for the worst, but that's prudent. I think we should. And, and so use this time now to save as much as you can in the event that down the road you might get furloughed or you just get tired of the job that you have and you want to shift gears, but you have an opportunity now. You can kind of see the handwriting on the wall. Because we know this is going to be a very slow recovery.
0: I was going to ask you about that because everything that we hear from our government is that this is just going to bounce right back. And meanwhile, you know, in recent weeks, uh, as many people as living in the city of Houston lost their job Mm -hmm. just in one week. And we're still hearing reports of layoffs. So tell me what you think is going to happen and how are you seeing your listeners start to recover or, or deal with this idea that the recovery might be a long stretch?
2: Well, I think it's understandable that our government wants to keep us hopeful and and infuse optimism into all of this. And I hope that the pandemic we start to flatten the curve, as they say, sooner than later. But even if the pandemic is as yesterday's news, the economy is not going to recover like that. It's not going to bounce back like uh, like our health. And um, so I think that with any decision when it comes to your money, you, an emotional one is not the right one, right? You want to be realistic and rational. And even optimism is an emotional response. And so you want to be very realistic. And I think that for, even for my listeners, they're being really pragmatic about things. And they—they they, a lot of them experienced the last recession, some of them, the tech bubble bursting. And so they have these recent memories of economic slowdown and the recovery period and I think I would love for things to be a V-shaped recovery, but really it's going to be more like a W or a zigzag. I don't know what you know what the image here is, but it is not going to be where things are just going to bounce back to normal by the end of the year. I think I think we'll we'll be in the situation for at least another twelve months, eighteen months. Um, but not maybe as severe it is now, but we're going to see it show up in different ways throughout the next several months. Some people are going to get their jobs back. Others are going to lose their jobs, but it's going to be a lot of uncertainty and sort of kind of just treading lightly over the next several months, I would say at least a year. And look, for me, I can only say what we I mean, I'll tell you what I'm doing. My husband and I, we are saving a lot of money right now because we just want to be extra extra careful. We want to look back and say that we over prepared, but we don't want to look back and say, "Oh, we sh- we should have done more." Um, and so, f- starting in 2021, we want to have about. A year to 18 months worth of our bare bones living expenses tied up. Why? Because I'm an entrepreneur. That's not to say that everyone needs to do this, but when you work for yourself, it's extra important to have that buffer. I can't just bounce back and apply for another job and and hopefully get it. I have to network. I have to build decks. I have to present. I have to do all these things to just to secure clients. That takes time. So, I like to think that I'm optimistic too, but I'm being really realistic when it comes to my money. And I'm just saying, you know, another year or 15 months of this is is what we have to plan for.
0: You know, that's actually a good question. I'm hearing that now might be actually a good time to think about starting a business, Mm -hmm. augment your income, try and figure out some other ways to make money. And meanwhile, for so many people that have side hustles, the second part-time job, a lot of that stuff that we had come to depend on, like Uber and Lyft and so many others, have disappeared. So what are you advising people?
2: What I'm advising people is that you can still have the side hustle. I think it's important to to think entrepreneurially. The the idea of um, being your own boss and all of that, that's not going to go away and that's not going to come to a halt. But you have to think about what people need right now and what is practical. And so... Ten years ago, renting out your car, renting out your apartment, starting an Airbnb, Uber—all that—that made sense. But now, obviously, we'll get back to that. But I think for the next couple of years, at least, I think it would behoove us to think more strategically about where are we spending all of our time. What are what are the need the new needs that people are going to have, and how can you fill them? Um, so whether that you know that's um, something obviously virtual, but think about how things are changing. Education is changing. Retail is changing. What I'm hearing from a lot of the experts at least is that nothing's really going to like transform. It's more accelerate. So if the forecast was that more people were going to be spending time online over the next five years, that's going to happen over the next year. If the uh, forecast was that online, that education was going to transition more to virtual learning over the next five years, that's going to happen over the next 12 months. So thinking about your next act or you know your your business your side hustle in those terms of where is the growth and how can you get in there and start to really be of service. If you were thinking about real estate, like how can you operate your entire real estate business online? You know, we already saw some of that pre-pandemic where re- realtors um, were like thinking about how to leverage social media and the internet. You can still have that great seat of an idea of that business, but really shifting it to an online audience, an online customer.
0: I I want to get back to this idea that people, and you said this at the beginning, people are afraid of making mistakes. What are some mistakes that you see partners or spouses making right now when it comes to money in general? Is anybody really blowing it at this point? If they are, how?
2: (laughs) That's such a good question because, you know, I say to people, if you're credit card bill isn't significantly less than what it was this time last year or even just three months ago. Like you're doing something wrong because what are you spending your money on? And (laughs) we're spending more on food and obviously some things, but a lot of our discretionary spending has gone to zero. I think though, if there are rooms for improvement within relationships right now when it comes to money is just that dialogue and that communication that even before all this was... Definitely a weakness, I think, in many relationships. I know that so many of the questions I would receive from my listeners was, "I feel like I'm on different wavelengths with my partner. He doesn't or she doesn't like to talk about money, mm-hmm. um, or I know that they're spending st- um, money on stuff and they're not telling me, or they're they're being tight lipped about how they're they're spending." And I say, "Look." You're spending a lot of time together right now. There's really no excuse for not feeling like you have the time to talk about money. Actually, now might be a great time because you're not spending too much money right now, hopefully, and there's not a lot to discuss as far as all the things you want to buy and. But now's a really good time to get clear on your goals. What's the plan? My husband will probably tell you. I, I talk about it. at Not the best times, like before bed. No, don't do that. Like, oh my god, that makes me so anxious when we talk about
0: money before I'm going to sleep. Like, I can't go to sleep.
2: (laughs) 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 But you know, we bought a house, and through that process, I I got reacquainted with like my husband's pay stubs and actually like seeing every penny that comes in through the house and knowing how much we would ideally like to save every month so that we can end the year with a certain amount of money and and that's stuff that we've been talking about like what's realistic how much can we each save from out of our own incomes and just park that somewhere and not even think about it so that we can start the new year
0: calmly one last thing which which it this your story really reminded me of this My husband and I were first starting out and we were both self-employed. Both of us had, you know, 1099s that were coming in from all over. Mm -hmm. January was like the worst month for us because that was when the taxes were due. Mm -hmm. And we had to get our self-employed taxes together. And I remember years and years of just going, wait, where is that money going to come from this time? You know, we just want to get to a place where January, we're totally in the clear. and We don't have to worry about that particular check that we have to write. And sure enough, by really doing what you and your husband are doing, consciously putting away a few dollars here and there, and I got to tell you, it was such an incredible feeling to not have to worry about it. And we did that throughout our whole married life. So,
2: And you know what? You make a decision like that once, and you just commit to it, and you'd make it automatic. And certainly over the months, you can revisit it. It's a It's a moving target, but it's something that the real conversation really only has to happen once. And, and for people who are worried about that or don't like talking about money, I think that's always a nice thing to remind them of that this doesn't have to be this obsessive thing. Like you just have to make the
0: goal, make it automatic and revisit it from time to time. Farnoosh Chirabi is a financial expert, a best-selling author and host of So Money. It is a great podcast. You should sign up for it. Go to somoneypodcast.com and download all the episodes, including the ones that I'm actually in. I think I'm in two of your episodes now, aren't Well,
2: I replayed. I actually, I loved our conversation so much from a couple of weeks ago where you came on generously, told us all about what we need to know about buying a house and selling a house right now. I replayed it on Memorial Day as well. That one I really thought was gold. And so you're the best. Oh,
0: well, feeling is totally mutual. Come back again and see us soon, okay? Absolutely. Well, that does it for this week's Equifax Credit Talks podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Please visit the Equifax COVID and Credit Financial Resource Center at Equifax.com. And remember that if you do sign up for your My Equifax account, you'll get six free copies of your Equifax credit report each year, and you can easily turn on or remove a credit or security freeze. We'll be back soon with another Equifax Credit Talks podcast. I'm Elise Glank. Thanks for listening.